Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Today is Monday, November 4, 2019. Coming up next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, the late Congressman John Conyers laid to rest today in Detroit. We'll show you some of the eulogies from his home going. DNA testing could save an innocent Texas man's life, but prosecutors are still opposing it. A march to his death. People are making lots of noises in terms of trying to get him a new trial. In another case of injustice, the Missouri Attorney General is blocking the release of a St. Louis man who's been in prison for 25 years for a murder he did not commit. Also, Christopher England of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, was elected the Alabama Democratic Party chair this weekend after months of struggle inside and outside the party. Alabama still being Alabama. New York City subway riders jumped the turnstiles this weekend to protest police brutality. White supremacists try to shoot a video in front of the Emmett Till Memorial. And the crazy-ass white man goes on a racist rant on a New York City bus. Hmm. It's time to bring the funk on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. Whatever the piss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Politics with entertainment just for kicks. He's going. 
The homegoing service for former Congressman John Conyers of Detroit was held today at Greater Grace Temple in Northwest Detroit. Dignitaries from all over shared their memories about Congressman Conyers, who died October 27th at the age of 90. Here's a roundup of those who celebrated his life and legacy. We are here today to celebrate this sad, joyous occasion and to extend love to the family and give love to the family because that is what Congressman Conyers would want. He would want us to cry and shed a couple of tears, maybe a lot of tears, but then he would want us to get up. He would want us to get up and keep moving forward and keep living the life that he fought so hard for us to have. Because that fight still needs to continue. When we read through his accomplishments, his fights for civil rights, his fight for equal rights, his fight to uplift us out of poverty and be a part of this U.S. Constitution. He fought every single day for someone else. He didn't fight for himself, but he fought every single day for you and I. I'd like to thank the people of Detroit for electing him 27 times. I'd like to thank you for giving him the space and the support, not just to faithfully represent his district, but to represent people all across our country and even around the world on the things that we should all care about. He was out there banging the drum against apartheid in South Africa long before it was a widely popular cause. He always supported the people of Haiti, even when he could not support their governments. He said, the people deserve a better deal, and the United States should be a good neighbor. He worked for all of our cities and for jobs and employment and opportunity and peace and justice everywhere. Not every district gives their elected representative the elbow room to do all those things. So I thank you for giving John his head. He never forgot about you either. One of the things that I liked about him is he didn't give up on things he thought were important. Now remember, I think John Conyers is the first person that ever quoted Frederick Douglass to me in saying, power concedes nothing without a demand. Never did and never will. He understood that. 
Just four days after Dr. King was killed in Memphis, he introduced the first bill to make his birthday Martin Luther King Day. It took 15 years to pass, but John never gave up. And he kept reaching out to Republicans as well as Democrats. And he passed it 15 years later, and President Reagan signed it into law. His friends, Lionel Hampton's greatest hit was called Flying Home. Our friend John, he's finally flying home. He made some beautiful music in the key of life. Like all great jazz musicians, Coltrane, Miles, Charlie Parker, He was not perfect, and that made his achievements all the more important and all the more meaningful. We did become very good friends, working together on voting rights issues and civil rights issues. We worked very hard to get a fellow by the name of Bill Clinton elected president. Uh, and then Barack Obama after that. And when I moved into Detroit in 2012, I moved in a block away from the Conyers family. And the Conyers would come over to the house from time to time for events. But no matter what I was doing in my life, when I was prosecutor working at the medical center or in the mayor's office, I'd call him and he always had time for advice. And sometimes he called me with advice even when I didn't call him. Uh, and that was probably the time I needed it most. But when you were with friends with John Conyers, you were part of history because he was walking history. So we celebrate this man today, but not to the level that we should have been celebrating him. Because he talked about those higher mountains, climbing them. Talking about the by and by. Well, no. As the old people talked about the by and by, meaning someday we'll be away from racism and prejudice and we'll be away from the place of people not having health care or be away from the place where we wouldn't have equal education for everyone. Yes, the by and by in heaven. But you know, he believed and I believe in those of us who are real, true Americans of whatever color we are, know that the by and by has got to be right now. So we cannot forget that life of John Conyers Jr. because he reminded us every single day that he spoke on those things are very real. But what we can do so that we don't forget is commit ourselves on this coming celebration of Dr. King's 
day for those that go to work, don't go to work. Do something constructive for this nation. Make sure that those of you who have not registered, make sure that you register so that you can vote. but a moment in time, but the journey with this distinguished giant has been from the very moment that I stepped into the United States Congress. I was able and honored to be able to sit at a podium in the House Judiciary Committee. It is for that reason that I come with a mountain of passion and an understanding that first, Chairman Goodlatte, we will accept that challenge, but we will also accept the challenge that this giant be honored in Washington, D.C. John Conyers answered the call to serve so that others could have justice. Many have spoken the beauty of the music of Stevie Wonder have spoken of the voiceless. I speak of those who tried to speak and were silenced. John Conyers took their cause. They felt that there was no one who cared about him and John Conyers came and he gave voice to the silenced and he gave them hope. That's a little different from just doing your legislation. He went into the lion's den and he gave people hope. He led the first discussions between community and police. He was that conscience, he was that fighter. He was a Renaissance man. He educated us about our own history. He wrapped himself around being ostracized and being talked about and rebuked because he said if it was for right, he was a giant and he was gonna do it. I have to tell you that I have to thank my brother, my dear friend, the Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson. <laughs> Reverend Jackson and John Conyers, two of a kind, bold, progressive, not afraid willing to do what most others would not do. John Conyers, again, was a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus, the longest serving African American in the history of Congress, and a lifelong champion of civil rights and equality. However, to me, John Conyers was more than a colleague. He was a mentor, and he shared his wisdom and expertise with me on issues of race, and confronting police brutality 
and the unjust criminal justice system. He taught me so many lessons that I will never forget. John Conyers took me and so many other members of the Democratic Caucus under his wing and his leadership. And his voice is certainly going to be missed. Folks, that was Congresswoman Maxine Waters, of course, uh, sharing her thoughts and remembrances uh, about uh, Congressman John Conyers. So many folks uh, spoke uh, there as well and, of course, uh, laid to rest. Age of 90, joining us right now uh, on our panel here, Eugene Craig, CEO of Eugene Craig Organization. Uh, Dr. Avis Jones, the Weaver political strategist, Dr. Julian Malveaux, economist, president emeritus of Bennett College. Folks, um, it, it, was important, it was important that, first of all, all those folks who spoke, but also, bottom line, that they showed the respect for this man. He had to resign due to sexual harassment allegations, but they said 53 years of work will not determine whether or not I show myself publicly. Uh, to speak at his funeral. The reality is, had he not, there's no doubt in my mind, had he not resigned in 2018, he would have been lying in state in the Capitol. Right now. Mm -hmm. He would have been, there yes. would have been a much larger uh, home going for Congressman John Conyers. You know, Roland, um, I was with Reverend Jackson last week, and he made the analogy of baseball. He said, when you play a baseball game, you've got runs, hits, and errors. At the end of the day, you're basically judged by the runs and not by the errors. So the people who are talking about Congressman Conyers in terms of that last little bit of his life are ignoring the Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, all the things he did. And for me, as a member of NARC, the National African American Reparations Commission, he introduced H.R. 40 in 1989. And every session, he kept doing it, just like he did with the uh, Martin Luther King birthday. He did that for fi almost 15 years. Every session he re reintroduced it. He did the same thing with reparations. Uh, we worked with him um, and he was just such a champion and such an encourager about this issue. And you know, some people, reparations, we don't want to talk about it. But he's like, you have to talk about it. So I admired him and I will miss him. And um, you know, the sisters who are NARC, National African American Reparations Commission, we cut a a little video I've been looking for, I can't find it on my computer, where we basically said we got his back. Don't even go there about sexual harassment. We have been the victims of sexual harassment uh, in terms of, you know, white people, white men basically raping black women. So let's not even go there. So Joanne Watson, city councilor, who I hope spoke, I didn't see it today, um, in Kichi Taifa, we, we stood and we, we cut it. but. You know, it's just, we lost two giants in a very short period of time, but Congressman Conyers was the real deal, and that's all you can say. Avis? Absolutely. I think what his life shows us, and I hope that people take away from all that he worked for and actually ultimately accomplished over time is that this is how policy is made in our country. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that you have a desire to push forward a, you know, momentous piece of legislation that it goes through instantaneously. It takes someone who has the tenacity to go back again and again and again and do all of the work that's necessary not only to build the public will but to also 
navigate the inside game to make that stuff happen. And so, you know, it's really important that when you see someone who has the dedication but also the political skill to make that happen over and over again uh, with such consequential pieces of legislation mm -hmm. that he was able to eventually push, it absolutely demands respect. And I'm so happy that they were able to show that through this service. Look, um, from a more generational perspective, the reason we were able to have our Hakeem Jeffries, our Tim Scotts, and our uh, Cedric Richmonds, because we had our John Connors and our Elijah, and our Elijah Cummings. Um, you know, we stand on the shoulders of giants, and, uh, you know, Congressman Con Congress is one of those giants. Um, you know, he's there for almost every consequential piece of legislation that's affected black America, and uh, I think we all owe him debt of gratitude. But it's more than black America. He stood for jobs, peace, and justice. So although he focused on our community, he focused on the broader community in terms of employment. Mm -hmm. uh, he talked about employment legislation in terms of peace. I mean, he was one of the few votes against the Iraq war. In terms of justice, he was always there. We were talking about law, law enforcement, mm -hmm. and the disrespect of, of black people. So while, on one hand, we claim him as a, as a champion, the truth is that the nation needs to claim him as a champion because he was that progressive voice, he, Barbara Lee, a few others, who just really, like Maxine said on the thing, he wasn't scared. I mean, he, <laughs> he wasn't scared yeah. at all. All right, folks, and so, again, Congressman John Connors late to rest today uh, in Detroit, died, of course, at the age of 90. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, two black men, innocent, but still sitting in prison, one of them facing an execution in Texas in just a couple of weeks. We'll give you those details when we come back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to check out Roller Martin Unfiltered? YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real. It's Roller Martin Unfiltered. See that name right there? Roller Martin Unfiltered. Like, share, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com forward slash Roland S. Martin. And don't forget to turn on your notifications so when we go live, you'll know it. All right, folks, it's the holiday season. This is when you think about spending time with family and friends. This is also when you count your blessings and support those less fortunate. This year, be a holiday hero and change someone's life forever. Right now, hundreds of thousands of Americans are sitting in jail without being convicted of a crime. Why? Because they lack the financial resources to pay their bail. Now, think about it. If you are arrested for any minor offense, you will be taken directly to jail. If you don't have bail money, you will stay there until a court date is scheduled. That could be days, weeks, or even months. Simply put, America's bail system is broken for people of color. Freedom should be free. That's why the Ebony Foundation has partnered with the Bail Project and is sponsoring the Home by the Holiday campaign. The Bail Project has helped bail out thousands of people over the years. And with your help, they plan to get 1,000 people out of jail by New Year's Day. And that, of course, would be a great holiday gift for many families. A donation from you today can change someone's life tomorrow. Now that you know that people of color represent upwards of 90% of the jail population across the country. And without bail, nearly 90% of those charged with misdemeanors pled guilty. Now, however, uh, with paid bail, less than 2% received the jail sentence. Sometimes justice needs just us. To join the fight, you can donate 25, 50 bucks or more to help the Ebony Foundation bring our brothers and sisters home by the holiday. To donate, go to homebytheholiday.com. That's homebytheholiday.com. All right, folks, uh, this case out of Texas uh, is very strange. Roddy Reed is said to be executed on November 20th. He and his attorneys say he's innocent of rape and murder, and they have untested evidence 
that will prove this Texas man did not do it. But prosecutors have pushed back, arguing the evidence is contaminated. For the last two decades, Reed has said he can prove he's innocent of the crimes that landed him on death row in Texas. He argues that the key to his freedom is in a box in the Bastrop County Clerk's office. The box contains items, including a belt, name, tag, shirt, and two beer cans found in 1996 near the dead body of 19-year-old Stacy Stites. Of course, that is a woman who uh, he was actually involved with. And this is, of course, the case that has gotten uh, lots of attention uh, that we, of course, have been focused on. And uh, I want to, of course, uh, bring in our panel as well. Now, there's another case we're going to be talking with uh, ACLU attorney uh, Samil Trevetti about, uh, who also is sitting on our panel. And so uh, I, I want to talk about this case here, Avis. I want to start with you because what, what, what's strange here is that the woman who was killed was involved with a police officer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this man, Reed, has an alibi that he was not at the location. But they do know that the officer had been with her mm -hmm. around this exact same time. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's, it's one of those cases where, again, where prosecutors are saying, no, no need for this, but I'm sorry, if you have someone... Death is, is final. Right. right. Yeah. My deal is you should want all of the answers to be sure when you put somebody to death. Well, they don't want all the answers, clearly. Because if they wanted all the answers, they would go ahead and do what needs to be done in order to test and make sure uh, that they have the right person in prison. But the bottom line is we still have an incestuous relationship throughout the nation between police and prosecutors who oftentimes uh, sort of help each other as a part of their daily process of, of doing their jobs. And so whenever police are accused or even potentially could be involved in illegal activity all the way up to murder, uh, we always seem to have situations where too many prosecutors mm -hmm. skirt their responsibility of really following the law and trying to seek justice. And instead, what they oftentimes seek to do uh, is to look the other way so that so that the policemen can then themselves get away with whatever it is they want to get away with. Uh, Samir, what do, you, what, what do you, you just make again of, of this case and the details? Well, so I think it speaks to the larger point, not only of the incestuous relationship between police and prosecutors, but America's unending addiction to incarceration and punishment. Mm -hmm. um, I think the fact that an entire court system and a set of prosecutors would rather see someone put to death than find out the truth proves that we have more concern about things like finality than the truth, than justice. Um, and sadly, Rodney Reed's case is not unique. Um, we're going to talk about... Lamar Johnson's case in Missouri, and there are hundreds more like it, many involving young black men prosecuted, convicted, sentenced to death at a young age um, before we had technology to get them out. Now that we have the technology to get them out, all of a sudden, it's too late, you know right? Um, and so I think that is the epidemic that we need to talk about. Um, first of all, a couple of things. That, that last week, a witness submitted testimony that another man, the woman's fiancé, confessed to the crime. Uh, you have 130,000 people who signed a petition with change.org. Um, of course, it's important to note, Reed is black. The woman who was killed is white. Um, she was 19 years old at the time. Now, here's some of the, of the details, Eugene. Uh, Reed was arrested after his sperm was found inside her body. But even friends say they had a consensual relationship. Um, he was convicted by an all-white jury. Um, as well. Uh, now initially, he said he did not know her, but later said they were having an affair. 
uh, they had consensual sex the day before uh, her death. Now, this is the, from the CBS piece. Police had reads DNA available for testing from a separate sexual assault investigation according to a 2018 prosecution motion asking to dismiss one of Reed's appeal. Now, he had faced a series of sexual assault allegations, but was acquitted in the only case prosecuted. Okay. And at the murder trial, prosecutors maintained that uh, the woman had spent an evening at her home with her fiancé before leaving the driver herself to work in his truck around 3 a.m., and that sometime between 3 and 5, she was raped and strangled. Uh, but the people who testified against him have all recanted their testimony. Mm-hmm. And so, look, if you have, uh, on one end, the uh, young lady's uh, friends are defending him and providing character witness, the people speaking against him are changing their story. I think if the prosecutor, you know, look, I'm no lawyer, but if, if my entire case is built on a set of stories and those stories have now changed, mm -hmm. I think my entire case is now moot, a moot point. And so, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, the courts in Missouri need to step in. You know, the appellate courts, superior okay. courts in Missouri. Well, no, I know we're talking, you know, I think we're first talking Texas now, this this particular case in Missouri, right? Yeah. yeah no, that's right. And so, um, you know, the, 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 the appellate courts, superior courts need to step in. Um, you know, the AG there needs to step in. I mean, but, this, but, is the, but, but, this is an obvious miscarriage. But, but Julian, first of all, again, and I'm also, let me read for this, folks. It says, the medical examiner whose trial testimony had bolstered the state's timeline later changed his account according to the commutation request, saying there was no evidence to indicate the presence of Reed's sperm in mm -hmm. Stite's body was a result of a sexual assault. Um, and so you have that. But also, the police officer, former police officer, uh, Fennell, uh, he would later serve 10 years in prison for kidnapping and having improper sexual contact with the woman he had taken into custody in 2007. He was initially a suspect. Oh, my God. Had been interrogated and found to be deceptive on two lie detector tests. In the case of this woman's murder, according to the defense's commutation request, he denies involvement uh, in any of this. That part of the problem that people need to understand here, and, and we've discussed this in many of the cases, I remember there was a case out of Georgia, and we had a lawyer on, is that what the Supreme Court has done in this country, and I remember Antonin Scalia um, and just correct me if I'm wrong here, Samuel. Mm -hmm. Anthony, and you don't go to you, but correct me if I'm wrong. He basically said that if every, if the, all the rules were followed, it doesn't matter if there was new evidence that could prove somebody didn't do it. As long as all of the appeals were exhausted, mm. doesn't matter. So essentially, Supreme Court said that... Damn the fact that if, 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 if actual evidence comes up to prove somebody's innocence, as long as all of the appeals were followed mm -hmm. and the rules were followed, that is irrelevant. Roland, I think that we can take a big lesson from the Central Park Five. The big lesson is the way that police officers coerce confessions out of people. The way police officers coerce um, people to... Um, give alibis or not give alibis. I saw it, I didn't see it. Because basically they're sitting in a situation where they might be going to jail and they're they're bargaining. But the, the other thing about this is they say the evidence is contaminated. Well, who contaminated? <laughs> I mean, it, it didn't contaminate itself. And so, you know, I think that the evidence should be tested. But more than that, you know, as our brother from ACLU says, we really need to be dealing with the ways 
that especially black folks, black men, are being railroaded, the fact that this woman had a relationship with a white police officer and that he had some dealing with this whole situation is highly suspect. But every aspect of this is highly suspect. And this man has been in jail for more than 20 years, for more than 20 years for something he alleges he did not do. Many say he did not do. No one is saying let him out of jail. All people are saying is test the evidence. Uh, Samil, I, I want to go back to, uh, first of all, the Innocence Project, folks. Uh, here we go to my iPad, please. The Innocence Project, they actually have put together uh, 10 facts you need to know about this case. Uh, they say here the murder weapon has never been tested for DNA evidence. Uh, the state's three forensic experts have admitted on the record to errors in their testimony, which led to Reed's conviction and death sentence. Uh, renowned for the forensic pathologists, including Dr. Michael Botten, Warner Spitz, Leroy Riddick, have all concluded that Reed's guilt is medically and scientifically impossible. Number four, Rodney Reed and Stacey uh, Stites were having a consensual sexual relationship. Number five, for months after the murder, Jimmy Fennell was the prime suspect in the case. Uh, his best friend at the time, Bastrop Sheriff County Sheriff Officer Curtis Davis, has now revealed that Fennell gave an inconsistent account of where he was on the night of the murder. Mm -hmm. Two witnesses have come forward in recent weeks and submitted signed affidavits that add to the mounting evidence against Jimmy Fennell. Of course, Fennell later served 10 years uh, in prison. The case was racially charged in a confession by Jimmy Fennell. Fennell has come to light from a former member of the Aryan Brotherhood who was a prison <laughs> mate of Jimmy who disclosed a conversation in which Jimmy confessed to murdering Stacy, stating, I had to kill my nigger-loving fiancé. Wow. Um, Samil, I made the point early about Antonin Scalia. Yep. I don't think people, a lot of people really don't pay attention to that, but this was a Supreme Court justice yeah. who literally oh, yeah. wrote that even if evidence came forward to prove that somebody did not commit a crime, it should be ignored as long as all the rules were followed. And this is the problem of having justices on the Supreme Court who've never lived a life like you and me, right? Because they think as long as we have process, the actual results don't matter. Or who are not lawyers like Thurgood Marshall who actually had I to process, that's defend that's such exactly cases. Right. That's exactly right. So it, it would be one thing if we had a process we could trust and then say, well, if the process was followed, then the results should stand. But you just showed 10 examples of why we shouldn't believe the process at all. Um, and so then the case falls apart that as long as we cross our T's and dot our I's, that we can't go back on a, on a conviction. So um, this notion that, uh, that due process does not have an innocent component right, that the Constitution doesn't guarantee innocence, only process. It, it belies the lived experience of so many people in the criminal justice system for whom the process didn't do anything for them. In fact, Absolutely. it got them imprisoned in the first place. Absolutely. The tainted, with, with, I mean, with many of these cases, you have tainted witness testimony. Yep. They either were bargaining for their own lives, um, they were coerced, some often beaten. Mm -hmm. And this is something that doesn't come to light. As I said, the Central Park Five case is just a prime example, but there's so many other cases. And so the Supreme Court and, and the recent additions to the Supreme Court are 
basically flies in the face of what we're saying yep. because these folks have not lived any kind of life. But, but you know what? They've but, but, been but, but, ivory tower. They've been sequestered. And so they're going to say, process, process, process. But what about reality? But, 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 but you know what? My issue, though, is not just solely with uh, recent Supreme Court justices. My, my, my issue is with that in a country where you have a death penalty, mm -hmm. you should be absolutely mm -hmm. sure without a doubt yes. that somebody committed the crime. I forgot the case. I don't know whether this guy was in Virginia, it was in Missouri somewhere, so I can't remember, where it was all of this, and he was, you know, test, test, I didn't do it, didn't do it, didn't do it. And then after the execution, they tested it. It was like, no, actually it was him. But that should be the case. Yeah. It, it should be the case because, look, I, I grew up in Houston. I remember the case of Clarence Brantley. Mm -hmm. Clarence Brantley was a janitor, black man in Conroe, Texas. That was a white cheerleader who was killed in one of at one of the schools. It was a high school. Clarence Brantley was hours from execution on several occasions, and luckily it was stayed. And then eventually he was found to be innocent. Clarence Brantley is still alive, but he was that close to death. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about hours. He had already gotten his last meal yeah. before it was stayed, and he didn't do it. That's what people... And so if you have <coughs> a belt in a safety deposit box, I don't understand why, if you're a prosecutor, you say, fine, test it. See, if, if I believe mm -hmm. you absolutely did it, I'm saying, fine, test it. You, you're guilty. I'm not worried about that particular belt. But for when they fight the testing, Samil, of a belt, that to me says you're not really sure mm -hmm. you have the right person. No, you just know you have the power to suppress it. Right? You have the power to do it, so you do it. And let me just point out that we're talking about some cases that at least went to trial. 97% of cases don't. The plea bargaining ends the matter, right? So if we talk about due process, 97% of criminal defendants in this country, particularly in state courts with elected prosecutors, with elected judges who are running on tough-on-crime tickets, right, and ending cases via plea bargain before a judge can ever see them, that's a problem. Let's talk about this in Missouri. A St. Louis man, folks, spent 25 years in prison for murder he and St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner say he didn't commit. But he's facing a new challenge, a new court filing by the Attorney General in Missouri, Eric Schmidt, is trying to legally block efforts to free Lamar Johnson. Why? Because of a technicality that the request came too late. Okay, Samuel, that's what I... That's killing me. So... Yeah. So, the, the DA says, this guy didn't do it. <laughs> but the attorney general goes, now, yep. your request is too late? And w what's galling about that, and you don't have to be a lawyer to figure this out, they're saying the statute of limitations ran on a new trial motion, right? But they suppressed the evidence that would have been required to win the new trial motion within the statute of limitations, right? They hid the evidence such that it couldn't come out until after that deadline, right? And the Missouri courts are relying on this absolute technicality. Uh, so hold on, hold on, let's go back. Yeah. Let's go back. Yeah. So they, they, they. So, so what did they hide? So uh, 
So Kim Gardner, the circuit attorney in St. Louis, who is one of these uh, new wave of prosecutors who was elected on a reform ticket, right? And one of her reforms... Uh, 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 so before you do that, so yep. explain to people, okay, that she's a circuit attorney, but you also have a black DA in St. Louis County. So you, what, what... You do. So, so her jurisdiction is the city. Wesley Bell's uh, young it. black man recently elected as well uh, is it. in the county. Got it. But, right, so so she's the newly elected circuit attorney for the city of St. Louis. Um, she establishes what's called a conviction integrity unit, right? It's basically, we're going to figure out these cold cases. We're going to look into these convictions that seem tainted, that seem too good to be true. Very similar to what um, uh, Watkins did in Dallas when he created this separate unit to go back and test DNA cases to make sure folks who were guilty were actually guilty. And a number of people have been freed. That's exactly right. And this... This couldn't be more the highest calling of a prosecutor, right? When your ethical obligation is justice, not conviction... The truth! ...then yeah. this is your obligation. So Kim Gardner is one of these new prosecutors that has one. She Her conviction integrity unit produced a 70-page report detailing all of the wrongdoing in Lamar Johnson's case, including three perjured witnesses mm. and a payment of $4,000 to the only eyewitness who then recanted, right? Mm. All of this evidence should be a no-brainer for a new trial, right? But instead, the courts are clinging to this technicality. The AG is clinging to this technicality. Um, but luckily, um, Lamar Johnson's case is gaining national attention. We're happy to be here. Um, and we're happy that the ACLU, the Innocence Project, over 100 ethics professors, mm -hmm. and over 40 sitting district attorneys themselves have said... Uh, no, this is wrong. I want to go to FaceTime right now. Kim Gartner joins us. Kim, glad to have you in Roller Martin Unfiltered. Glad to have you. Thank you for allowing so, me on your show. So this is this is this is very bothersome and it it sort of gives one a migraine. And and I was talking about the previous case out of Texas where uh, that was it was a ruling where Antonin Scalia, who when he was a Supreme Court justice, I mean literally wrote that even if new evidence was presented that proved someone didn't do it because all the I's had been dotted and T's crossed and procedures followed, that that should be irrelevant and the verdict should be allowed to stand. And, and, and when I look at this case here and, and, and what your report has determined, it lays out, I mean, this is just, to me, this is basic common sense that if a person didn't do it, they shouldn't be in prison. But they're riding on a technicality saying you're asking a little too late. That is obscene and offensive. We're ministers of justice, and this signifies, you know, how we correct the wrongs of wrongful convictions. And, I, and it's our duty under our constitutional oath as prosecutors, the elected prosecutor in the jurisdiction, to correct a wrongful conviction when we find manifest injustice. And that's why this motion for new trial and Lamar Johnson case is so important at this time. We need a mechanism to do those, to correct those wrongs. So, uh, so in August, the judge denied the motion for a new trial. Okay, so, so what's next? What, 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 what happens now? Well, there's a couple issues. One of the issues was the judge um, denied our motion for new trial, but at the same time, she allowed the attorney general to um, come in as a... We don't know yet, because she did not invite him into the case, but as she referred to the attorney general as having authority 
when a um, circuit attorney or a prosecuting attorney in Missouri is looking at a wrongful conviction. And so some of the sentiments of the attorney general is a habeas corpus is the proper procedure. But I say motion for new trial when you have a manifest injustice, as in Lamar Johnson, this is the mechanism that prosecutors should be able to use to correct the wrongs of wrongfully convicted individuals because that's our duty. And right now, um, the attorney general just last week filed a motion to strike my office from appealing to the Court of Appeals. That's where the case is right now. And it's bigger than just um, the wrongful conviction of Lamar Johnson. It's actually the discretion of the elected prosecutor and correcting, having a, a, the mechanism to correct wrongful convictions as the elected prosecutor. And that's going to affect prosecutors in the whole state of Missouri, as well as around the country, when we have these new conviction integrity units pop up, as we see that they're finding some wrongful convictions. And courts are working with them to undo those wrongful convictions, like in Philadelphia and Chicago. But let's also add this here, and I, I frequently go, I frequently read newspapers all across the country, go to their websites, and you've had a bullseye on your back. You, you, here you are, the elected representative, but you've had people who have been trying to thwart you from doing your job in other cases like this here because you had the audacity to actually want to ensure that the right person is sitting in jail. So this is not, for people who are watching, this is not like just one example. You have, you've had folks in Missouri targeting you, trying to stop you from actually doing your job. Yes, I mean, that's the status quo. And when you are a reform-minded prosecutor, you have to fight against the individuals who want to hold on to the status quo. And that's why Lamar Johnson's case is so prevalent in Missouri, because this will set the precedent that elected prosecutors are elected by the people in their jurisdiction. And the people actually elected me in 2016. And so even though I'm considered uh, relatively new, I've been around for almost three years. And the people elected me to hold people accountable, but at the same time, correct wrongful convictions and reform a system that we know is broken. So the attorney general doesn't give a damn about the fact that evidence was fabricated and that a witness was paid? I mean, is that essentially what the attorney general is saying? I don't care about any of this, that I don't care what you've uncovered. I don't care about any of these details. You simply don't have the authority to do this, and only I do? Well, that's what the attorney general is saying right now, that basically they're the only ones that have authorities to um, entertain these cases in terms of wrongful conviction. But we're looking at procedure, and they're saying the best mechanism is a habeas corpus procedure, which is different from a motion for new trial. And that's what we filed as a prosecutor in this jurisdiction to, uh, in this case, in Lamar Johnson. And I think that that's a good question for the attorney general. But I say that prosecutors around this country, we have an oath, an oath to uphold the Constitution, the oath to be ministers of justice, and we have to be able to perform our oath. And so I asked the Attorney General and other um, individuals in Missouri, so we're saying this oath is uh, is fiction, and I don't think that the Attorney General or the state of state legislators are saying that. So wh where in the hell are all these law and order Republicans? Uh, are, 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 you know, what the hell are they doing in Missouri? I mean, what uh, what does the governor say? I mean, do, uh, you know, who else is standing with you? I mean, is uh, are, are, is the mayor of St. Louis or other city leaders standing with you? Uh, what about the United States senators uh, from Missouri? You know, where are they? What are they saying? You know, my congressman, um, Congressman Lacey Clay, is standing with me on Lamar Johnson. I spoke to him about this case, so he's supportive of uh, us 
uh, proceeding with a motion for new trial. I know many legislators that represent my area as individuals in the community have supported me as, as along with 43 other district attorneys around this country who signed on as well as uh, Mr. Wesley Bell, who's a newly elected prosecutor in St. Louis County in 2019. Um, so we have support. It's just that we have to have the actual stomach in Missouri to, to do the right thing. And I think it's beyond uh, procedure gamemanship. It's about accountability and it's about a prosecutor correcting the wrongfully convicted individuals that we should have a mechanism. And I think that we in Missouri have a mechanism and motion for new trial as you hear the legal scholars that signed on to support um, this mechanism for Lamar Johnson's case. Um, we have many legal experts in the state of Missouri. It's just for us to do the right thing. And I think that, you know, having the national attention that this case has brought, as well as the support for many individuals, I think Lamar Johnson will see justice. And I hope that we can see justice for Mr. Lamar Johnson, because there may be many Lamar Johnsons being held with life without the possibility of parole. And we have to correct those wrongs. Kim Gardner, we're sure appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Um, I, this, this just, just pisses me off. Mm -hmm. And this is, and, and this is the kind of crap that when I listen mm -hmm. to that arrogant ass Trump and Mike Pence, when they talk about complicit bias, when they have the audacity, when you have Barr, the attorney general, mm -hmm. goes before damn uh, police chiefs and in, in, in law enforcement and criticizes people like Kim Gardner, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. criticizes Marilyn Mosby, criticizes Aramis Ayala, criticizes Larry Krasner, who said that these progressive DAs are going to allow crime to skyrocket in the country, yet say nothing when you have an undeniable case of a person who is innocent and they dare to call themselves law and order Republicans? Well, because it's not about law and order. It is about over-incarceration. It's about the targeting of black men primarily and getting them out of society. That is the real goal here. And I think also what this whole discussion is bringing to light uh, is an issue that we talk about often on this show. The importance of your vote and the implications mm -hmm. of your vote. You know, when you have a Supreme Court that makes a ruling that says that even if you can find out later exculpating evidence, uh, that you're not going to pay any attention to that if all the various procedures were followed, that's wrong. Yep. But when you don't vote for the right people at, for, for president and then the Senate, you're going to get that type of lifetime appointment that will have implications on our community for decades. And when you have the opportunity, on the other hand, to vote for progressive prosecutors like this, we need to make sure we not only vote in that direction, but we also vote up and down the ticket so that she has an attorney general mm -hmm. that is friendly to her, that will allow her to actually exert her power instead of trying to take away her power. As you mentioned, Kim's situation is not unique. Progressive prosecutors all around this nation, and particularly black women progressive prosecutors, yes. specifically all across this nation, are seeing ex specific efforts to have their power actually big-footed by the attorney generals, by the governors in their states that are trying to squash their ability to actually live up to the oath that they actually take. And 
and that is to pursue justice. And it's because oh. those other people aren't interested in justice. They're just interested in putting more and more and more black men. Samil, I know you guys are nonpartisan, but the reality is this is why voting matters. This is this is why uh, who you vote for makes a difference in terms of justice. We are nonpartisan. We we support the end of the mass incarceration state, and it can be you know the the great thing about this movement, and I don't want to overstate it because for every Kim Gardner, there's literally hundreds of yeah. tough on crime prosecutors around the country being elected every day, often running unopposed. So the democratic engagement piece could not be more right. Uh, that said. Um, the, these efforts to, to change this system, it's turning around a tanker, right? It's going to take time. Uh, and what groups like the ACLU and the Innocence Project and others are finally are, are, are realizing is that um, prosecutors can be part of the solution, right? Prosecutors were part of the problem, if not the biggest part of the problem, for hundreds of years in America, right? And uh, it's caused us a lot of uh, hair pulling to, to realize that we've got to now support prosecutors like Kim Gardner, but we have to, because they're the most powerful players in the system, uh, and if they can show us the way, if they can start establishing con conviction integrity units, uh, if they can start reforming some of the practices that have put hundreds of thousands of young black men and women mm -hmm. behind bars, um, then we're all for it. You know, prosecutors have some discretion. Yep. And that's yeah. why people like no, Kim Gardner... No, they have lots of discretion. discretion. All of it. But, that, but that's why people like Kim Gardner are so important. I mean, there are cases that go all the way that don't have to go all the way. They're, the other piece is attorney generals don't like to be wrong. Mm. <laughs> and so they basically, once somebody is convicted, whether it's a right conviction or a wrong conviction, they're going to stand by it because if they basically are more flexible, what it's going to do is stand them up. So we're not looking at justice. We're looking at ego here in terms oh, of... Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. oh, and that's... Mm -hmm. I mean, look, DA's all across the country. I mean, that, that's part of the deal. Oh. They Right. Their deal is we were not wrong. We will defend this to the hilt, which is why I've also said that if you have a, lo a local DA who has been involved in fabrication, damn uh, a slap on the wrist. They should be losing their law yeah. license. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Julian, go ahead, and then uh, Eugene. The, not only lose their law license, they should be prosecuted. Yes. I mean, basically, what they're doing, they're complicit to potentially murder... They're complicit to wrongful prosecution. Right. And these these young black men and women, but mostly young black men, are being railroaded. Mm -hmm. I have a personal case with a friend who basically was arrested. He, you, you talked about the bail thing. So this brother ended up pleading guilty to a rape that he didn't commit because he spent eight months in jail. And he's like, I got to get up out of here. And this just happens far too often. And these folks are looking at the conviction game, not at the justice game. And that's that's the issue. Eugene, look, um, you know, our issues aren't black, are, are not red or blue. They're black, and um, you know, the issue of criminal justice reform is a multifaceted issue. Mm -hmm. But my 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 philosophy has always been that hey, it's one thing to talk about policy, but you can have the greatest policy in the world. But if you have people there that can actually implement such yep. policy, it does not matter. So, um, you know, I know there's a, a slew of DAs up for election and re-election in 2020, and I think we need to be going county by county at 3,000-something-odd counties in this country and, and going, you know, and picking and choosing. And I think in 2022, we have midterms. You know, I know in Maryland, we have about 20, I think 22 or 24 jurisdictions are going to have their DAs up for, up their state attorneys up for re-election or election. And I'll tell you one thing, I'm being involved in a lot of those races. 
You know, that, that's where it starts. I mean, a lot of times you can you can kill a case from the prosecutor's side with a good, with a good state's attorney, a good DA yep. to sit back and say, look, you know, there's not enough evidence here. Why are we pursuing forward? Just so folks know, so tomorrow, um, we mentioned Marilyn Mosby. We're going to deal with what's happening in Maryland, where the Republican governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan, you know, the one who won't properly fund HBCUs, he has ordered the Democratic attorney general to take cases away from Marilyn Mosby under the assumption that she is not mm -hmm. prosecuting cases for no reason at all. We had the Democratic Attorney General when he was running for here on the show. Let's see if he has the guts to come back on this show to first of all talk about the case, uh, talk about what's happening with, with the HBCUs, but also talk about why he is following what Larry Hogan is doing in Maryland. So we'll see if that Democrat has any guts whatsoever. Real quick, if I go next yeah, one, real quick. Yeah, quickly. It's important to point out the straight line between what Maryland is facing, between what Kim is facing, mm -hmm. between what a lot of these progressive prosecutors are facing across the nation. What you have just described there is the infringement upon their prosecutorial <laughs> discretion. It's basically taking power away from these largely black women to yes. be able to pursue justice. Right. And so... Although we'd like to say that prosecutors have power, apparently they do until those prosecutors come in the Well, first of all, again, I, I got to go to break, but we also said the same thing in Alabama where you had the brother uh, who was involved who got shot and killed by the cops there uh, at the yes. mall. Mm -hmm. uh, the Alabama Attorney General took that case from the black district attorney mm -hmm. there in Alabama by saying there was a photo of the guy who got shot and killed in the DA. But there also was a photo of the guy who was killed and the Attorney General, <laughs> but that was no big deal. So that's one of the things that we have happened. Samir, we appreciate it. Thank you so very much Thank for you joining so much. us. All right, folks, Democratic Representative uh, Christopher England, speaking of Alabama, was elected Alabama Democratic Party chair this weekend after months of struggle inside and outside the party. The vote came after 172 members of the state Democratic Executive Committee, the governing body of the Alabama Democratic Party, voted to remove Chair Nancy Worley and Vice Chair Randy Kelly. The election may not settle the battle between two factions of the party over governance and leadership and could end up in court. Worley has shown no signs of giving up her position. We'll certainly continue to update you on this story. Got to go to a break. When we come back, more Roller Martin Unfiltered. Just back in a moment. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Jazz Experience, second annual, is taking place this weekend. I will be in Cabo, of course, uh, the 7th through the 11th. We'll be broadcasting Roller Martin Unfiltered on Thursday and Friday from Cabo. It, of course, is going to be a fabulous four days, 13, in fact, 14 different acts, three days worth of concerts. If, or you're still not too late for you to attend. If you want to avoid some of this cold weather, simply go to lifeluxjazz.com, L-I-F-E-L-U-X-C-J-A-Z-Z.com. But if you can't go... You can still participate and check out the live concerts by going to gfntv.com. That's gfntv.com. It should be right there below. Y'all should put it on the website, gfntv.com. 
uh, to actually get a live stream pass to check out all of the acts. Again, three days worth of concerts, 14 different acts. That was Gerald Albright. Uh, he's looking forward to it. We were texting just yesterday. Uh, also, comedian actor Mark Curry will be there. Alex Bunyong, Raul Madan, Incognito, Pieces of a Dream. My man, Kirk Whalem, Average White Band, Donnie McClurkin, Shalea, Roy Ayers, Tom Brown, Ronnie Laws, and Ernest Quarles. All of them will be performing as well. Again, you can get that live stream pass. Uh, GFNTV.com is 10.99. GFNTV.com. Your live stream pass also supports us on the show as well because we get some of those proceeds. And so we certainly appreciate you uh, supporting us. So again, the second annual Life Lux Jazz Experience taking place in Cabo, November 7th through the 11th. And so you can, of course, check it all out, gfntv.com. So go to the site to get your pass. All right, folks, close to 1,000 people marched through downtown Brooklyn on Friday night to protest police brutality and a recent crackdown on fair evasion inside the subway system. The peaceful action organized by Decolonize This Place took over major streets around the Barclays Center beginning at 5 p.m. on Friday. Demonstrators eventually made their way underground, jumping the turnstiles while chanting, how do you spell racist, NYPD. All right, folks, you might recall, of course, uh, several people who were beaten by NYPD for jumping the turnstiles. Uh, Eugene, people keep asking the question that, seriously, I mean, it, 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 is that worth uh, doing that, spending billions of dollars on uh, police in subways because somebody jumped a turnstile and they end up beating the hell out of somebody because of it? As somebody that has uh, recently gave an affection for the New York City subway, um, one thing that I've noticed is that you'll see more cops in the subway station than you will see above ground. Um, you know, there have been situations where, you know, myself and some friends, we've seen kids stopped up by cops and get ready to get him that we would just swipe for him mm -hmm. just to get the situation. Um, I mean, it, it's an it's a issue. And, you know, we, and, and it's a crazy issue when you take into account that a swipe to ride the subway is only $2.75. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, my, 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 philosophy and perspective is that, look, these, sub these, metro these mass transit systems are being paid for by tax dollars. The revenue that's recouped on them never matches what it actually costs to run the mass transit system. So, you know, I think, you know, cities, especially with, you know, so-called progressives like de Blasio um, as mayors, you know, Sean King had a nice little expose on folk like him and, and, and Lightfoot. If, in and, and cities like this, you know, I think going forward, and this should be something that folks should consider running on going forward. Fares should be free for the kids. You under 18, no, rock for free. It should be free for everybody. Because but if it's you already, talk it's already about, paid for. It's paid if for you. If you talk for. about reducing the carbon footprint, if you talk about the congestion in cities with automobiles and all of that, when you want to encourage people to take mass transit as opposed to bringing their cars in, whatever, mm -hmm. it should just be free. As you say, it's already subsidized. It's already, well, you know... And it has an environmental impact. It's ridiculous that young people, or not even young people, I mean, you have homeless people, poor people, yeah. other people who are jumping turnstiles. And it's ridiculous that they should be prosecuted for that. Now, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, how come it's free? 
Why not? There's other stuff that's free. Well, the thing is, it's, a t it's, yeah. it's not that it's free. It's a, it, there's an additional cost on it, right? Because it's already being paid for out of a budget that's funded via sales tax and many times more than not a gas tax or transportation trust fund like it is here in Maryland, D.C. And, and the metro area. And so the thing, my, and so the thing is this. You know, if a person can't pay a two dollar seventy five cent you know fare, what makes you think they're either gonna be able to pay a hundred dollar fine or pay for a night in jail on a lawyer? So I mean, you know, if New if, if New York City and other jurisdictions that we deal with here in DC, you know, it's dealt with in Philly, it's dealt with in Chicago, and a lot of places that have mass transit systems, you know, if you know, these things are already paid for, you know, the fare is an additional fee, additional tax. And so my philosophy is this, you know, look, you can have a we can have a whole separate discussion about adults and whatnot. But when it comes to children who are not necessarily financially responsible for themselves, the fare should be free. Well, I, you know, yeah. I think it's useful to you know, sequester children in the conversation. But I also think that if we really are caring about global warming, climate change, et cetera, public transit just needs to be free. Yeah, but beyond this, this is a really about the over-enforcement and the overt pol brutality of police and how brutality has become a normal Absolutely. in terms of how we go about the business of policing in this country. And the fact that you would commit violence mm -hmm. against mm -hmm. someone because they did not pay $2.75 right. <laughs> is a human rights abuse. Makes period. no sense whatsoever. Folks, a group of people carrying a white nationalist flag were caught on camera Saturday attempting to record a video in front of the Emmett Till Memorial in Sumner, Mississippi. Check this out. Uh, we are here at the Emmett Till Monument that represents the civil rights movement for blacks. What we want to know is when are all of the white people. Well, the bigots didn't realize that, first of all, this sign had been vandalized on a number of occasions. And so what they did was they encased it in a bulletproof uh, covering and installed cameras. <laughs> then all of a sudden, the button was hit, and these dumbasses were like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the Negroes have outsmarted us. <laughs> <laughs> They've got us, they got our license plates. Yeah. They got I... our likenesses. Yep. Oh and it's like, God. where are the white people? Oh, you feel free to go. They have memorials. If you want to go to Viola Uzo's memorial in, uh, out between Selma and Montgomery, white woman from Michigan, shot and killed, head blown off by three Klansmen in the truck. There's a memorial for her. We actually go to uh, the uh, Civil Rights Museum in uh, Lorraine Motel. Yeah, across the street where James L. Ray supposedly did it. Yeah, there's a memorial listing the white people who were killed in the movement. If y'all actually give a damn about the white folks who would kill the movement. They don't care about that. <laughs> don't. Uh, what, how sick is it, though, that these many decades later, you have these evil people who continue to want to destroy, harass, sully the memory of a black child yes. that was tortured and murdered. Why, why, why don't they go to the house of the white woman still alive? Right. You know, who lied? There you, there you Carolyn go. Bryant, yep. who's there still living. Who admits she who, lied. Who has mm -hmm. paid no consequence for her lie. These people, beyond evil, they crazy. Yep. And uh, history belongs to she who holds the pen. Mm -hmm. The problem is that these people don't know history. We don't teach history. They don't know the meaning of Emmett Till. All they know is they got their little sheets upside their heads. First of all, let, we assume they can read. Oh, yeah, but, okay, Roland, that's a stretch. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Roland, that's, that's a stretch. All right, y'all, y'all know what time it is. Let's uh -oh. go. Uh-oh. No charcoal girls are alive.
on a Brooklyn MTA bus went on a racist rant and spit at the driver. He sat in a seat reserved for the elderly and disabled riders. When some passengers confronted him about his seat choice, well, he chose to call her than the N-word and act a complete fool. You get out, motherfucker. You do that. Don't fuck with me, you nigga. No, he doesn't want to. He's mine. Fuck you. Go, sit down. Sit down. Sit down. Sit down, yo. Please. You're really aggressive. Not normal person, you know. I don't care. You don't care. Yes. Look at you. I didn't care. Look at you. Yes. Look at you. Yes. Look at you. Yes, we are. We are. Yes. Oh. Just a drive, motherfucker. You stay, motherfucker. You're awaiting for the bus for 45 minutes, motherfucker. Get out. Get the fuck out of here. You get out. Get the out, motherfucker. Or drive. And shut your mouth, nigger. You need to get out. Yeah. Get the look. Yeah. Yeah. Necro. Fucking neck. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out for the bus. Call the fucking different driver, fucker. Ha 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 an MTA spokesman said the agency has referred the incident to the NYPD for a full investigation. When the hell were they? For real. Yeah, no right. arrests have been made. I mean, they I'm were, just saying. Well, where, they're down there when somebody, people when somebody jumps a turnstile, they're there. But when uh, somebody is spewing gracious venom, they're not. And sitting and in a candy And you know what's crazy, right? In other situations, right, there have been two black kids, they would have stopped the bus, pulled it over, and had MTA police meet them. Just saying. Yep. Just saying. Just saying. You Just know, saying. White supremacy, perverted white privilege. The fact that this man will use that kind of profanity, there are probably children on that bus, they're probably, you know, and the, the driver really should have pulled over, but we have a tolerance of white people acting like, I, well, I, I keep telling people, gonna find the wrong person that telling, don't have the tolerance. I keep telling people, hashtag whip that ass gonna show Hello? up. Mm. Hello? And I'm telling you, <laughs> I, mean, I keep telling people it's gonna happen, yep. and when it happens, Look, don't y'all be complaining. I don't, I can't believe this happened. Oh my God. Look, I warned y'all about these crazy people who keep doing stupid stuff. Okay, I gotta end the show on this here. So, uh, Rex Chapman, former NBA player, uh, he, he, he finds these videos on his Twitter account and he puts up, he calls it block or charge. So, he had, he put this video here and I saw it. And first of all, these videos are always people doing stupid stuff like getting knocked out, punched out, or whatever. So here's a video of a dude trying to go face-to-face -face with a bull. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Was he drunk? Was he hurt? <laughs> Off, I keep telling y'all, can y'all please shoot horizontal <laughs> so the video fills the whole screen so we can actually see all of it. But I'm telling you, look, I have absolutely no sympathy for this fool. 
Nobody I, does. I ain't got, no, no, no. I ain't got people, folks. I ain't got no sympathy. I, 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 I when do you think keep it's do funny though that, that the man is critically injured and you worried about video quality. No, no. First of all, <laughs> I don't give a damn about you being critically injured. No, sir, sir. If your dumb ass gonna stand in front of a bull <laughs> again and clap with your hands, whatever happens, <laughs> if he had died, it's I have out. no sympathy. No, yeah. he asked for You don't. He did. I, not only did he ask for it, and, and he the bull was like, and, and the bull was like, yeah. yo, dog, leave my ass alone, say dog. I, I'm not trying to with you today. Bull got horned, and the bull just straight up pop, pop. flipped his ass, and he just went flying in the air. Mm -hmm. I, I, look, I what? keep gone. Well, G, Roland, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say. No, I got Eugene. Go ahead. I, I, I lost words too. I mean, in what world do you think you're gonna take on the bull, bro? And the bull is kind of crazy. The bull just used one of the horns just to pop yeah, him up a couple one. times. One. Yeah. Yeah. Dude is blessed that he yeah. used both. What well, happened to him? Though? The other people had sense enough to get the hell out the way. They were like, "Well, sorry, well, well. dog. Can't do nothing for you. We not with you. We not down with you." <laughs> oh. So, um, so here's this is my this is my absolutely last story. My last story. So, um, um, you know, Chris Paul, Huggy Lowdown, all these Nationals fans. <laughs> we're talking all that trash. Oh no, uh -uh. yeah, I want y'all got to defend some bullshit right now. Uh -oh. See, y'all talked all that trash, beat my Astros for the World Series, but your little team went to the White House today. And here, uh-uh, and here's what your little team did today. Including an amazing three-run homer by Kurt Suzuki. Where's Kurt? Where is he? Come here. Come here. Come here. Say a couple words. Come on. I love him. That's so nice. I love you all. I love you all. Thank you. What a job he did. I Here's what I know. When Astros, some of them went in 2017, a lot of them didn't. Not one put a Make America Great hat on again. That's your. T that, that's y'all. Claim y'all shit now. Y'all talked all that trash. No, you talked all that trash. Y'all nationals. You came. No, no, no. no. You Claim came up in here. Claim y'all nationals now. I... You came up Henry, in here with Julian, your... Avis, Huggy, Chris Paul. This y'all team. I don't recall no Astros player putting a damn red MAGA hat on. That's you. Go ahead, claim y'all no, team. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. What's well, wrong? One, they What's beat... wrong? Claim y'all team. I'm not claiming that. That's got character y'all I'm not claiming that. That I'm... is one idiot that needs to be traded. Oh, really? I... Yes. Yeah. He needs we to go. Oh, but here's what we claim. You want me to show on. some of the rest of them no. who as well? Oh, hold on. Do y'all want to show me the rest the... of them? We beat the Astros uh -huh, as Let me tell y'all something right now. Let me tell y'all something right now. The Astros would have never rolled there. So all y'all Nationals fans like, yeah, yeah, we won. Y'all going to take this, too. So go no, ahead and take y'all. No, hell no. Y'all going to take Suzuki. No. See, like I said, uh, Nationals fans, y'all little team just embarrass your city and the country with your little red MAGA hat. Uh, that was one person. They Houston, all put MAGA hats Guess on. what? Like we said, Nationals said, uh, like, not Houston, D.C., we got a problem. <laughs> well, y'all no, so go y'all go ahead and keep y'all boy. No, no, no. That's y'all boy. 
Yes, y'all. No, uh -uh. that's y'all, boy. boy. No. Yeah, I thought so. All right, y'all, we got to go. <laughs> yeah, so it's amazing how all of a sudden they ain't talking all that Nationals trash right now because they want to defend that MAGA hat. No. So Eugene ain't saying nothing. Eugene like, look, I ain't even from here. All right. <laughs> Eugene like, yo, I'm from Maryland. We got Baltimore. But, but guess what, Roland? I mean, uh, Eugene said we got the Orioles. That's the all he's saying. Yeah, you ever seen a good Suzuki anywhere? Say it again. You ever seen a good Suzuki anywhere? Who? A good Suzuki anywhere? Hey, all I'm saying is, <laughs> y'all take, take that. Y'all take that. Right, guess what? Y'all take that red MAGA hat wearing team with y'all. They got all put back in that time. Yeah, guess what? And he and, and your boy groped him, but that's y'all. Uh, he did. Right, at least, at least he learned to raise his hand a couple feet. Y'all can record join our Bring the Funk fan club. Uh, you can pay via pay, cash app, PayPal, and Squared. Uh, of course, every, every dollar you give goes to support the show and what we do. And so, look, uh, hopefully you will uh, join us. Our goal is to get twenty thousand of our followers to join our Bring the Funk fan club. In order for us to, of course, do this, look, we gotta fund this stuff, and so African Americans must be willing to do so. This is this is how we this is how we rank independent and be able to call out red 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 hat MAGA wearing Nationals best baseball players. All right, y'all. I see y'all tomorrow. I see y'all tomorrow. That's why you got orange on. Holla! I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.